Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. You're alive and well, bright and early on this beautiful day, this beautiful sunny day. How many people love sunny days? About three or four of you. Great. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's such a joy to be here for Sally and I. And thank you, Sal, for sharing that word. We just need God's word not to, that was nice, but we need it to drop from here to here. Do you know that that's the greatest distance that sometimes God needs to travel? Did you hear what I just said? Sometimes the greatest distance God needs to travel, man, he, he came from heaven to earth, but sometimes I, I feel that's a shorter distance than from here to here. Some of us can quote the Bible so much, that's, that's irrelevant. It's how much has it gotten here and affected here. If it hasn't affected my walk, it's pointless. Then we become like a scribe and a Pharisee, a religious leader. And you know what? We're we're not a heavenly good and we're not an earthly good. I'm just being honest with you. I feel like the world needs an encounter with some believers who don't just quote a scripture and verse at them, but they live in such a way that if the world hangs around us, they end up closer to God because we keep on walking towards the fixed cornerstone. So if you're walking with me and I'm walking towards the cornerstone, guess what? You're going to end up closer to the cornerstone. The Bible says that, you always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Is that what your Bible says? Always be ready to give an answer. And I'm struck by that because you give an answer when you are asked a question. If no one asks you a question about why you are different, then are we actually walking with God? Be ready to give an answer. Be ready to give an answer. For the hope that's in you. When redundancies are being talked about and you're still in peace, hang on, how can you be in peace when your livelihood is on the line? Because Jehovah Jireh is my provider and the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The boss doesn't pay my bills. The Jehovah Jireh, he can supply coins in a fish's mouth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. We got to start to believe what the word says. Speaking it, one thing, believing it and living it, That's what the world needs to see. I could almost preach myself happy, but I contain myself. Just a little bit for you till I get warmed up. But the Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ashamed? See, a whole bunch of you said no. But it... I just pray there's a holy fire letting our spirits today. Because quite respectfully, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. My life is not my own. I've been bought. Do you live like you've been bought? Hmm. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I honour God with my body and my 
By body means my complete whole. Every part of it, my affections, my desires, how I use my time. By the way, you don't have time. You didn't create it. It's not yours. (laughs) You don't have free time. God created it. You don't have spare time. Time itself is a gift of God that God created time. So time is a gift to be stewarded. How do you steward your spare time? Because if all your spare time is based on what you want to do and it's not actually spending time with the Lord, growing closer to Him, is He really Lord? You might say this is a bit heavy. Uh, I ain't nothing compared to what Jesus said. We have reduced it down to a bless me club. Hmm. Can I give you the true gospel? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus. Doesn't preach quite as nice as come to Jesus and he'll answer all your needs and he'll, he'll supply all everything you want and, and you'll cruise through life and there'll be angels playing and you'll be floating through life. I've come to the conclusion whether I'm walking with God or not, life's going to be challenging. Come on, church. Whether I walk with God or not, there's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be persecutions, there's going to be headaches, there's going to be heartaches, there's going to be, there's going to be problems. How many people are enjoying my encouraging message right now? It's going to be tough. It's going to be like, oh, ah, you, I don't even want to get out of bed this morning. Anybody? Come on, let's not be religious. It's going to happen whether you walk with God or not. The Bible says that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Come on. There's some people that don't walk with God and it seems like everything goes well. There's some people that walk with God and everything seems to go to pot. And vice versa. We've got to get rid of this thing that come to God and it's all plain sailing. It ain't plain sailing. But if you use that metaphor, plain sailing, it's not that it's plain sailing. It just happens that we get to be in the boat with Jesus, not without Him. I'd rather walk through the valley of the shadow of death with him than without him. I'd rather walk with him than without him. But there's a holy call, and I'm going to preach a message because I'm. One moment, please. Such a joy and privilege to be here. I got a very clear word from the Lord for us today. And I saw a picture in the Spirit. And I'll let you know right up front that I'm going to preach the word and I want you to hear it as a word from God for you, for me, for the church, for the body of Christ. Will you do that, church? Yeah. Receive it into your spirit. I make no apologies up front. There's going to be challenging. Is that okay? I don't know why I'm asking you if it's okay because I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and you're in the room and I told them to lock the doors. So you're stuck here until Tuesday. So... I want, but I want you to receive it because it's time to come back to the full and right and proper gospel. Yes, amen. If you if you agree with him, think you, you feel to yell at me and, and, and shout at me and amen. let the devil hear you, so he knows that you're not intimidated by him, so that God's glorified. Yeah, yeah. Fool, we don't come to church so that we can get a better life and easier life. We come to church so that God can be glorified. People can be edified and the devil can be terrified. 
That's my mission in life right now, brother. I want God to be glorified. I want you to be edified. And I want the devil to be terrified. Come on. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, the demons of hell said to the sons of Sceva, Oh, Jesus, we know. And we've heard about Paul. But who the heck are you? That's the paraphrase. Who the heck are you? Jesus, we know. And we've heard about Paul. My question to you is, does a devil, does he know your name? I want him to hear about me. Not because anything about me, but it may, come on, if, if Paul says, Jesus, they know, and they've heard about Paul, then the enemy, he pays attention. He pays attention. But the greatest thing is that God is glorified. God is glorified. I just heard the Lord just say, for anyone in this room that's struggling with what's happening in the world and all that's the darkness that's happening in the world and all the, the evil that seems to be becoming more and more pronounced, here's the word of the Lord to you. The wonderful good that God is doing in this earth far exceeds the evil that the devil's doing. The devil is no match for God. The devil is not the opposite equal of God. God has no equal. The devil was a created being. He's opposite to an angel. And that's a fallen one at that. Come on, church. There is no one that compares to our God. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It ain't going to hell in a handbag. I tell you right now, the church is coming alive again. But it's going to come alive the way I'm about to preach it. I heard the Lord say none of us are doing God a favor by coming to church. If you rocked up to do God a favour and tick it off, God's not impressed. He's not looking for people to come to church to somehow appease or please God. He's looking for people to come to say, I give everything, I take up my cross and I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I heard the Lord say this phrase and this is what I'm speaking to today. A discipleship centre. A discipleship centre. Center. That's my message today. It's what God told me to come and bring to you as a church, to us as a church. I've never spoken this. This is for the body of Christ, but this is for us right now. I wonder if you'd say those three words with me together nice and loud. A discipleship center. Say it again. A discipleship center. Lay your hand upon your heart. A discipleship center. One more time. A discipleship center. This is what God is looking for. This is what God is calling you to, that you as a church, the last year you've been relaying some foundations. We've spoken to that last year, which I didn't remember because <laughs> I don't know what I spoke last week, but God is good. But this is a time to start to build upon. I, I had a picture. No one drives past a block of land where there's a nice slab laid and go, my goodness me, that is a beautiful slab. That foundation is magnificent. I want to move in right now. No, the foundation is the start, not the finish. The foundation is the start, not the finish. And it's time to build according to God's pattern. And God wants to build a discipleship centre in here and in here and in the body of Christ globally. I tell you right now, the world is going to pay attention when the church actually moves from just believing and belonging and blessing to actually becoming a discipleship centre. I'm enlisting you today. I'm calling you today. And at the end, I'm going to give a response for everyone that says yes to come forward and we're 
going to crowd in here together and then we're going to give our all to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where I'm taking you today. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Praise the Lord. You good, church? Woo! Feel free to do that anytime you want. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple, everyone say Jesus disciple. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Everyone say, follow Jesus. Jesus. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me hmm, will find it. Everyone say, for Jesus. Jesus. This is talking about being Jesus' disciples. He says, you got to follow me. you got to lose your life for me. I felt the Lord even speaking to me this morning in the hotel room. It's not about whoever, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. It doesn't say whoever loses their life will find it. It says whoever loses their life for me. It's not to forget the for me will find it. I want to say to us all today that we're called to follow Jesus. Does anyone believe that? Is there any chance that we can have a few more lights on down here? If, if, if it's possible, that's great. If not, it's not so great, but it's okay. We're called to follow Jesus. It sounds so simple. Everyone in this room knows that. Don't? Amen? You know it. I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. And I hear the Lord saying to me today, and I hear the Lord saying to you today, that following Jesus means he's leading, not us. Hmm. Following Jesus means he's leading. If he's <laughs> not us. It's so simple. I, I, I don't want to complicate it, but I, wanna, I do want to dive deeper into it. The word disciple literally means a learner, a pupil, one who learns from another. One who learns from another, a student. That posture of, I want to follow, I want to learn, who sit at the feet of Jesus, who say, teach me, teach me, teach me your ways. Here's a good prayer. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. So here's my question to you and I this morning as we just start to step into this is, how much are you a student of God? How much are you a student of God, a pupil of God, a learner of God, a disciple of God? Because if you're born again, you probably say, if I said, are you a disciple? You say, yes. If you're a follower, you say, yes. My question is, how much are we actually a student of God? Of God. How much is, how much of my life, my time, my affection, my direction, my emotions, my, my thinking, my conversations is about, God, I want, to, I want to see you, know you, learn from you, follow you. How much do we want to know God himself? Ephesians 1.17, Paul writes, he says, I keep on asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father that he may give us all the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Why? So that we might know God better. 
A disciple has an insatiable appetite. I want to know God better. How much do we want to know God's Word? Hmm. See, disciples, you can't get enough of God's Word. Many Christians, we hardly ever pick up the Bible. And I want to encourage us today. It's not a legalistic ritual duty or something that we just should do. It's Jesus himself was called the Word. His eternal name was not Jesus, it was the Word. And the Word became flesh. The very Word, that which is spoken, the Logos, became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. And the whole purpose of God's Word is not to teach bad people how to be good or how to teach Christians how to live. The whole purpose of God's Word is to reveal what God the Word is like. The Word of God is given to reveal the God of the Word. But students, disciples have this heart posture, God, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word is a light to my path. God, I want to come to your word and through your word and find you. The scribes and the Pharisees knew the letter of the law. They knew the scripture. They knew the Torah. They knew the Old Testament. They could quote the Bible, but they didn't find Jesus or recognize Jesus. And Jesus himself said in John 5, 39 and 40, he said to them, you study the scriptures diligently. That sounds like a disciple to me. But he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in the scriptures themselves, knowing what it says and doing what it says, you will have eternal life. But these scriptures are the very scriptures that testify about me, says Jesus. You miss the point. It's not about fulfilling the law. It's about coming through that and seeing Jesus and coming to Jesus. Disciples don't stop at knowing the Word of God. They come to the Word of God, through the Word of God, to the God of the Word. How much are we a student of God? Does our time, does our priorities in life back up our claims that we are a disciple? Because this is what the Lord said to me, our decisions declare our desire. <laughs> our decisions declare our desire. Our decisions, how we live our life, declares whether or not we're a disciple of Jesus Christ. As I said before, we're not doing God a favour by coming to church. That's not what He's looking for. He's looking for those who are disciples. I want to make a statement. I want to lean into this. And I'm not going to even preach too long today because I want us to respond. But in the middle of the night, probably a week or two ago, the, the Lord often when I wake up in the night because I woke up in the night because I, yeah. Um, like many of you, I need to use a bathroom in the middle of the night. But when I wake up in that place, it's interestingly from the place of being asleep, I wake up and the Holy Ghost is often talking to me. Talking to me very clearly. I know it's undeniably Him because I wasn't thinking about anything. And this is what I heard and it was for this morning, it was for you, it was for me. And it is this statement here, the cost is great, but the reward is greater. The cost, I'm talking about discipleship. Everyone alive and well? Everyone alive and well? The cost is great. Everyone say it with me. 
The cost is great. Say it with a little bit more conviction. (laughs) The cost is great. Now say the second part. The reward is greater. Say the reward is greater again. The reward is greater. Now say it as one statement. The cost is great. The reward is greater. Hmm. Too many people don't embrace True discipleship because of the cost, but they never look at the reward. But we can't get to the reward unless we embrace the cost. Even Jesus himself, who for the joy set before him, (laughs) the reward, the salvation of souls, the restoration of broken humanity to God the Father, who for the joy set before him, he had to endure the cross and despise the shame. But now he is sitting down at the right hand of the Father. And he's making intercession for you and I. And there's a great cloud of witnesses championing us on saying, come on, Jono, come on, keep on going. Yes, it will cost how much? Everything. But the reward is even greater. I'm here to preach the full gospel today. Not come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. No, come to Jesus, die. Come to Jesus and die. Come to Jesus and die to sin. Praise God. And die to self. (laughs) We go back to our opening scripture. Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple. Anyone here? (laughs) Everyone's going, I don't know. (laughs) Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny yourself. The gospel is not a gospel of convenience. But nor was the cross for Jesus. Come on, church. I just feel like I need to get real in the, the next little bit here. Is that cool? Not going to pull any punches, not going to hold anything back, going to call it as it is. God really drew my attention. Many people say, yeah, I follow Jesus. We've got people in our world that say, follow Jesus. Everything in their life says otherwise. God showed me where this is in the order. He says, if you want to be my disciple, whoever, 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 I don't care how good you are, I don't care how bad you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, whoever, whoever. Aren't you glad that the gospel is a whoever believes in him shall be saved? Come on. There is no terrorist on this planet that is outside the loving, saving grace of God. Just ask the the terrorist Saul that became the great apostle Paul because whoever believes will be saved. I hear the Lord say, tell them there's no one in your family, there's no one in your world that's outside of the reach of God. Some of you think there's some people in your world that you would love for them to encounter God, but I think they're almost too far. No, they're not. Come on. No, they're not. No, they're not. 
Maybe what God needs to do is start to stir our faith again where we start to declare, come on, come on. The devil's not going to have the final say here. If there's a terrorist who is persecuting the church, literally a terrorist killing Christians called Saul of Tarsus, if he can have an encounter with the resurrected Christ and be born again and radically saved and actually write most of the New Testament, he, if he can happen to him, if it can happen to him, it can happen to your loved ones. We say it, but do we believe it? Nothing. With him, nothing is impossible. I remember hearing one day someone preaching that, I think it was Jensen um, Franklin, and he said, we, we've heard that said, with God, nothing is impossible. And we know that means that he can do anything. But he said, I, I've seen it another way as well. It's true. With God, nothing is impossible. He can do anything. Nothing is too difficult for God. But with God, nothing with God doing nothing is impossible. God's never doing nothing. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Did you hear me? And those that you're praying for, with God, nothing, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening in their life. Nothing is impossible if God's on it. <laughs> you might not be seeing it yet, but it doesn't mean that God's not working. Let's not, let's not contain or measure God's working to what we naturally see because faith is the evidence of what we do not see. It's time to start to pray like we actually believe God. Not believe in God, but believe God. There are many more believers in the church that believe in God than there are believers that believe God. That if He says it, I believe it. I'm going to anchor myself to what He says. I might not see it. Life might be contradicting it. But if God declared it, let it be so. Even like Mary, who was a virgin, never been with someone. And the angel said, you're going to give birth to a son. And He's going to be the Son of God. Come on. Come on. We read it. We know it. Imagine living it. She didn't say that's impossible. She just said, how, how is that possible? Well, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you're going to conceive by God Himself and give birth to the Son of God. How many people would have a little wrestle? <laughs> just a little wrestle with that. Her response, be it unto me according to your word. I'm calling you and I back to be it unto me. According to your word says it, I'm going to anchor myself. I'm going to pray and I'm going to keep on praying. And I'm going to keep on praying and I'm going to keep on praying. Because the Bible commands people not who pray and then pray and then pray and then stop and then backslide and turn their back on God. But the Bible commands people who pray and believe and live in faith and even die in faith, but they're still believing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our God, He can save us. Our God will save us. But even if He doesn't, we will not bow our knee. We will not be of those who shrink back. We will not give away our confidence. You know, the devil's greatest agenda is not the answer to your prayer or the lack of answer to your prayer. It's for him to get you to stop believing God. And I'm calling us to be believers. I just need a breathe.
Hallelujah. Wait. Thank you. Anyone glad you came to church? You want to be my disciple? Whoever wants to be my disciple, says Jesus, you must deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. This is what the Lord showed me recently. He said, order with God is always important. And he said, I put follow me at the end of that sentence, not at the beginning. Hmm. When Jesus came to the first disciples who were fishing because that's what they did. That was their family business. That was their livelihood. That was their security. Please listen to me right now. That was how they earned their living. That was, that paid for their home. That's, that was everything to them. He didn't, he came to them and his words were, follow me. But do you know what they had to do before they stepped out and started literally following him? They had to deny themselves and take up their cross. They had to say no to that which was their security, that which was their livelihood. They had to leave their families. They had to leave their comfort. They actually had to come to the place where we're actually talking about following this man. We will have nowhere to live, nowhere to sleep. This is going to cost us everything. This is going to cost us everything. Are you with me, church? And the Lord has said to me, he says, if we are not, living daily, literally denying ourselves. In other words, <laughs> it's not about me, it's about you, God. What is denying yourself? It's like Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. Said to the youth on Friday night, if you do everything that you want to do, you're not a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Did you hear me? Yeah. If I do everything that I feel like doing, how many people know that? You and I, we're going to get ourselves into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, why I do what I do, why I do what I do is not just the obvious sins, but it's also the motivation of the heart. Lord, this is not about me right now. Yeah. I want you to be seen and glorified. Yeah. Why am I giving right now? Why am I doing this right now? God, I must decrease. And you must increase. And it's going to cost me. I've got to take up my cross like Jesus took up his cross. And when I live literally laying down my life, dying to self and saying it's going to cost me everything, but God, that's what I'm giving. Like the disciples who left everything. Then it's the start of evidence that we're following Jesus. The Lord said to me, Steve, if you're not denying yourself and if you're not taking up your cross, you're not following me. Hmm. I heard the Lord say the greatest cost, because the next line says this, for whoever wants to save their life, hold on to their life, you'll lose it. Hmm. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And this is what I heard the Lord say. The greatest cost is actually trying to save your life and yet, and yet losing it. The greatest cost is not that I die to self, it's that I actually try to hold on to my life, but I lose it in the end anyway. Did that make sense? I hold on, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and I lose it. But the greatest reward 
(laughs) is losing your life for God and yet finding your life in God. Come on, will you come with me into the good news? It's not just that I have to give everything, but the cost is great, but the reward is greater. The reward is greater because if I'm willing to lose my life, then I will find it in Christ. If I'm willing to lose my life for God, I will find my life in God because God Himself is our greatest reward. The greatest reward is not something that comes from the hand of God. The greatest reward is God Himself. And I praise God when we're born again. We have God come and live on the inside of us. If you've got God, you've got God, and that's good news. But it's the entryway. It's the doorway into this endless journey of discovering who this God is like. I've tasted and seen, but I'm hungry and I'm seeking and I'm searching and I'm chasing after you, God. I've got you, but I want more of you. God is the greatest reward. Hmm. It's not something he does for me. It's who he is. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith, It's impossible. It's not difficult. It's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone want to please God? Three, great. Anyone want to please God? Without faith. Without faith, without this confident trust in God, even all evidence tries to prove contrary. The evidence of things not seen without faith is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Please hear what I'm about to say, church. We're made believing in God, believing that He exists, accepting Him. Like that, that's the pinnacle. It's the start. It's the start. Are you with me? It's the start. Accepting Jesus, believing in Him and accepting Him, beautiful. Can we not make believing in God the pinnacle because the devil believes in God? The devil believes in God. The devil believes in God. Believing in God is not the pinnacle. Believing must turn to accepting. Believing must turn to accepting that He is the Son of God. He is the only way. He He is the only way. But then he says this, the writer of Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that's the starting point, and then that he rewards. Listen to what the word says. It says he rewards those who earnestly, diligently seek him. It doesn't say he rewards those who earnestly serve him. But I serve God. I do all this for God. That's wonderful. But it's not what the Bible says. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Why? Because He is the reward. 
The Bible says in Genesis 15:1 to Abram, who was called the friend of God. It says here, and after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. I am your very great reward. The cost is great. What? Everything. The reward is greater. More of God. More of God. More of God. I'm almost done, but I want to make a few more statements and a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to respond to the Lord. Surabakata. I heard the Lord say, the success of your life is measured by your intimacy with God. The success of my life is measured by my intimacy with God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I am your reward, Steve. God, I want you. I want more of you. I want deeper revelation of you. I want you to truly live in me. Disciples learn from God. Disciples enter deeper into God. Disciples deny themselves, take up their cross and actually follow Jesus. Disciples deny themselves and take up their cross, which means when God says forgive, we forgive. If we don't forgive when God says forgive, then we're not following Jesus. But I can't, it's impossible. That's why it's deny yourself and take up your cross and say, God, I can't do this by myself. Would you help me here? Yeah. Disciples die to self and live fully alive in Christ and for Christ. Jesus. So would you come? Just, just uh, asking Sally to come on the keys. That's because I want everyone to have the opportunity, including the worship team, to respond right now. I feel a weightiness, a heaviness, not heavy in a negative way. But I want you to hear two last scriptures as we respond today. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Maybe you know the scripture well. Galatians 2 verse 20. This is what it says. I have been I have been, I have been, there's nothing pleasant about that. There's nothing easy about that. I have been crucified with Christ. I actually feel the burning desire for the Father right now. It sounds like a heavy, Message, but this is the most life giving message to you, to me, and to the world who needs us to actually not only accept Jesus and say, Yes, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, all's good, but actually come to a place where I'm crucified with Christ. Crucifixion, 
speaks of death, does it not? Let me ask you a question. Why do you now have eternal life? Because Jesus Christ was crucified. Please, I'm hearing the Spirit speaking to me now. Please lean in with me right now. You have eternal life. If you're born again, you have eternal I have eternal life for one reason, because Jesus Christ was crucified. And I hear the Lord say, who are the people in your world that could enter into eternal life if you and I would live crucified with Christ? I have been crucified. I no longer fight for my rights. I have Christians, I, I hear us say, what's your view on this and what's your thoughts on this? And uh, I want to do this. And what do you want to do with your life? I've been crucified. I've been crucified. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Let's be honest. How many times do we as believers live like we are still living? Like it's still about what I want to do. As I said before, as simply as in my free time and in my spare time, my hobbies, what I want to do with my life, my career, my, we don't, we, if you're born again, you have been crucified. You have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so now the life I now live in this body, not just in eternity. Are you hearing me, church? The life I right now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and what? Gave Himself up for me. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, therefore I urge you, church, I'm urging you. Ah, there's no way, John Kerry, for me to pretty this up and I don't want to. And I don't want to beg or twist anyone's arm, but I do want to urge you today for your sake, for the glory of God's sake. And even as Jesus prayed in John 17, I pray for them, but I also pray for all those who will believe in me through their life, through their message, through them living dead to self and alive to Christ. I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of what He's done for you, because of what He's done for me, I urge you keeping that in mind. Come on. Once I was an orphan, once I was a slave. Now I'm a son, now I'm free. Once I was dead in sin, now I'm alive in Christ. Once I was filthy and stained, but now I'm the righteousness of God. In view of that, I want you to come and to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. God, I lay it all on the altar. We sing these songs, but Lord, the Lord says, do we live this life? I, I lay it all down. No longer will I fight for my rights. No longer will I make it about me. Because God is calling you, church, and the church to be a discipleship center. We come and follow God together. This is holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. Thanks for listening. 
For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.